Welcome to the Cowboy Entrepreneur Show, created and hosted by Scott Knudsen, to explore the crossroads of horses and business. Now here's your host, Scott Knudsen. Hi, and welcome to the Cowboy Entrepreneur Show. I'm your host, Scott Knudsen. Thank you so much for joining us today. We have a great show. I've been looking forward to this for, for several weeks now since we uh, we picked a date to do this. Uh, Spencer Boyd is on the show with Spencer Boyd Racing with NASCAR. So, uh, Spencer, welcome to the show. Yeah, man. Happy to be here. Like you said, we've been talking about it, so it's an honor to get to hang out with you. Oh, it's fun, man. I appreciate Jody setting this up for us for sure. And and uh, tell tell everybody before we kind of get started, how can they follow you in all things racing? Yeah, so uh, I'm out there on the road a lot traveling, uh, following the NASCAR circuit. Uh, but we have a, have a good time. And you can follow me on Instagram at Spencer Boyd PR, Twitter at Spencer Boyd, and Facebook at Spencer Boyd Racing. Awesome, man. Thanks for doing that. I know everybody's going to want to follow you and we have similar similarities, even though we're in different sports, you know, you're in the car racing, truck racing, NASCAR, and I'm in the horses, you know, but uh, I guess it's all horsepower. <laughs> horsepower <right? laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, let's talk about you, man. So Spencer, um, what age did you know I want to go fast? Man, uh, my parents were giving me the opportunity to go fast at a pretty young age. So uh, I was riding a bicycle without training wheels at two and racing dirt bikes at four. So I blame it on them, but uh, the need for speed definitely latched onto me. Awesome, man. Awesome. So, so what was, do you remember, like, so is this generational in your family? Or are you the first one to go this route? Yeah, I'm the first one to, to be a professional race car driver. Uh, most of my, my family, cousins, grandparents were in the military. Uh, my dad always loved cars. Uh, yeah, been in the car business a long time, love muscle cars. So uh, that itch for speed and, and just love for American muscle was there. And uh, he was in the position to, to give me the opportunity, uh, him and my mom, for me to be able to go racing and at an early age. And then it just turned into, man, we were racing 30 weekends a year at seven years old. Oh, my goodness. Oh, wow. So, so what, do you remember like the first time you really felt, I'm going fast? Do you remember that moment? I'd say that happened pretty early. Yeah. Uh, I was racing go-karts at five and just seeing like 30 kids out on the racetrack at the same time as me. And we were doing like 80 mile an hour, which is fast, you know, for a kid. Uh, and I would say, you know, some people say that, oh, I didn't feel the speed till I was doing, you know, 150 or something like that. But um, even at that age, you could feel that you were like driving on the edge. And this is really cool and different. Not everyone's doing it. Uh, so it felt like the cool kid at school. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. So how did you start, you know, you started so early did in 30 weeks a year on the road. How do you practice? You know, how did you kind of get started and get better with your craft? Yeah, back then, you know, go-kart racing, um, growing up in St. Louis, Missouri, there were so many racetracks within you know, four or five hours, right? So uh, it was really a Friday through Sunday you know, parents take off work and we get on the road and, and go racing uh, all weekend long. And during the week, you know, video games weren't that popular, like, uh, you know, simulator racing and things. That's really big now. And, you know, seven, eight-year-olds are doing a lot of that now. For me, it was just, you know, boots on the ground, <laughs> going yeah. out there and actually racing every weekend and getting a lot of track time. And uh, I remember 
just my notebook in school. I mean, on the edges of the notebook, I was drawing pictures of go-karts and, you know, writing down, you know, what I could do to be better and faster and like reminding myself of all these little things that all the 40 and 50 year old guys out there that have been doing it forever. uh, It was one of those deals where I would believe it if they told me, but if my dad told me, I'm like, oh, that's not how you do it. So (laughs) uh, a lot of those folks, you know, taught me so many things and I was just constantly writing them down, trying not to forget uh, you know, how to go fast and what you should do on particular racetracks and stuff. And uh, just playing it in my mind a lot. At one point, my mom's got this photo of me uh, sitting in the garage on the step, you know, from the house down into the garage. And I got these fake racing pedals off the PlayStation and I got a real, you know, go-kart steering wheel. And I'm just sitting there with my eyes closed, uh, cutting laughs. I love it, man. I love it. That was your simulator. Yeah, that was the 90s. (laughs) That was it, man. That was it. But I bet, you know, even with a simulator, even though it does save some wear and tear and some travel costs, there's nothing like just being on the road and learning how to travel and learning how to become a professional. Yeah, I mean, I look back. I mean, I travel 40 plus weekends a year, uh, the last eight years of my professional career. And uh, you learn a lot on the road, right? Yeah. uh, yeah, it's, it's absolutely. a lot of fun traveling, but uh, living out of a suitcase is real. You know, uh, I like to share that type of stuff on social media. Uh, some of it's not the most glamorous, but, uh, you know, you don't always stay at uh, the Hilton. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's good, though. And that's why you're a fun follow, because I, I think that's why the Cowboy Entrepreneur audience is going to want to follow you is because it shows you on the track. It shows the cool lights and everything, but it also shows kind of the grit part of it. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it, it's good to show that side um, and, and makes makes it the grind, right? And yeah, there you that's go. That's what makes it fun. You know, there, there's obviously cool trips and I've got to do a lot of really cool things. But um, when you're out there, uh, eventually it, it becomes a job and it's a job that you love and you look forward to, you know, going on the road every weekend and driving fast race cars. But uh, there's so many details and so many people, you know, once you move up the ladder, uh, you really start leaning on a lot of people working on your vehicle, um, helping you train and, and get prepared. And it goes from this, I'm racing a go-kart at seven years old and I loved it because it wasn't a team sport. And if I won, it was, you know, beat my chest. And if I lost, I could, you know, work on myself. And now it, at this level, you know, it's a team sport for sure. Right, man. So So let's talk about that. So how do you stay in shape when you're on the road so much or living out of a suitcase? Because it's demanding as heck, you know? So what do you do? Yeah. Uh, I think every sport, when it comes to traveling, that's uh, you're just trying to maintain weight at that point. Um, it's, right. it's so tough. So out on the road for me, it's a lot of grilled chicken and rice. And uh, I haven't always been the the fittest guy. <laughs> I enjoy my home-cooked meals and yeah. uh, just the way I am. But uh, try and eat healthy, uh, drink really healthy, um, be smart on that. And, you know, not everyone feels that like NASCAR is, uh, you, you can't really compare NASCAR to like football and, mm-hmm. uh, the athleticism that it takes to do that versus, versus NASCAR. We could talk all day about the differences, but, uh, in a race car, the races are three, four hours long. It's 120 to 140 degrees in the car, depending upon the racetrack. If you are allowed to have windows in the truck that weekend or not, um, there's no air condition. So hydration is like 
the biggest part. Uh, right. you're, you're just going to sweat so much and you're trying to make, you know, averaging 190 mile an hour, you're making split second decisions. So uh, as your body gets dehydrated, start making bad decisions. So uh, reaction time goes down, things like that. So we focus a lot on, you know, cardio, um, work a lot on hydration, you know, on Wednesday, if you're racing on Saturday, you know, it's, it's not a day of the event, pound a bunch of Pedialyte. Uh, it's the whole prep throughout the week. Wow. And, you know, I think I, I appreciate you saying that. I think it's something that most people, well, like myself, don't think about, you know, I think about it with me and what I do, but with you working out and you building up to that race and it's, it's so hot for so long. And like you just said, I never would have thought no windows. It, it's, yeah. it's, and it, it does though, you know, when you're tired or dehydrated, it does affect your decision-making. And when you're sure. that and fast, how do you get, regain control of it? Yeah. I mean, when you're on the road this much, right? Like that's the biggest thing. The tipping point is it's really easy to fall off the wagon <laughs> per se. Uh, <laughs> you know, you're hanging out with sponsors, you're going to good dinners, you're hanging out, there's opportunity to, you know, drink, party, have a good time. and and you got to do that every now and then for sure. But um, just honing in and knowing your body over time, like I said, you know, eight years for me. So I got a better idea of you know what I need to do to recover and, and feel good. Um, but I think sports in general, you know, these days, mm. doesn't matter if you're golfing or rodeoing and what have you, everybody has access to a lot of different things to become right. really good. And uh, back in the day, it may have been a little more laid back. You hear all these stories of what drivers did 30 years ago. And I'm like, man, I could not do my day job if I, you know, was like that. But um, everyone wants to win and they're putting it in. So you, you kind of got to follow suit and uh, try and set yourself apart by being the guy that makes the least amount of mistakes. I love that, man. I love that. When did you feel like you made it? Was was it your first car, your first truck? Was it the bright lights of when did you feel like all the work has paid off? Right. It's um man, that's a constant battle in your mind of uh it's mm. tough to wrap your head around some level of success. Um ultimately, I think you determine yourself as being successful uh you know, a lot of people are going to tell you you're successful and things like that. But um, for me, once I became a full-time NASCAR driver, so the first couple of years I was part-time, I was still selling cars uh, at the dealership and I was out there racing, you know, six or 12 times at the professional level uh, for a couple of years and felt like a rock star. But then on Monday, it was like, okay, well, now I'm taking the 60-year-old lady for a test drive. So um, it was really hard to consider myself successful at that, you know, 21, 22 years old. But um, when I was 23, I got my first full-time NASCAR gig, you know, racing 33 weekends on TV and traveling and flying. And I think that was a moment where I was like, okay, here's uh, a taste of success and accomplishment of what I've been trying to get to. Uh, but here's where you determine if you're going to be a flash in the pan or not. And, and so right. many people get the opportunity. Um, a lot of people become a flash in the pan. So uh, for all the sacrifice and stuff my family did, mom, dad, grandparents, so many people uh, helped me get to that level. It was like, what do I need to do to become better and wrap my head around this? This is going to go on with or without me. So I better uh, latch on. I love that, that 
when you got to certain, when you made it to a certain level, you just wanted to keep getting better and stay consistent. And what, what's some advice you can give to somebody that maybe is thinking about either one day becoming a professional car racer or something else? How do you do that? How do you stay so focused? Yeah, I think it's uh, just within yourself creating goals and uh, some very obtainable goals. And then uh, those stretch goals is what I like to call them. Yeah, um, you know, yeah. when I got in NASCAR, the, uh, when I was racing at like 18, the goal was I just want to make one NASCAR start. And not to say that was easily obtain, obtainable, but um, it was like, hey, that like that's a goal. And then once I do that, I want to do this. And then after I do that, I want to win a race. And after I win a race, I want to become a champion, right? Um, so you lose a lot in racing. <laughs> and you got to learn that pretty quick. Uh, you're going to lose way more than you win once you get to this level. And everybody at this level, you know, kicked butt wherever they were, right? right. West Coast, right. East Coast. Um, they were the best in that time in that region. And then, you know, you start moving up the ranks and now everyone's the best. And uh, you got to realize that out of, you know, there's 40 NASCAR truck series drivers in the country. So it's not a lot. And you got every 18 year old, you know, beating on the door, trying to take your ride. And uh, that's kind of the cutthroat side of, of NASCAR that there's very limited slots mm -hmm. uh, to get in. And it's really tough to get back in kind of out of sight, out of mind. So uh, circle back on that question, obtainable goals so you can feel some sense of success and right. stretch goals to give you something to keep striving for. Man, that's awesome, man. That helps a lot. I'm sure, you know, um, I, I love that you put both sets of goals out there, though. You know, because if you're just striving for the distant goal, man, you're missing all the fun stuff in the middle to get you there. And those, yeah, those little wins add up. You have to create some of those little wins and whether it's, you know, getting a new sponsor on board or, yeah. uh, you know, running better at a racetrack than you did the year before. I mean, those are little things that when you lay in bed at night, you can feel like you're going in the right direction. Whereas if it's like, I'll be happy when I win a championship. Well, there's a lot of other things uh, to get to that point. So if you, right. you're going to feel like you're chasing your tail uh, if you never get to celebrate a small win. That's awesome, man. That's awesome. So, so what is your favorite truck or car you've driven? Personal on the track? It doesn't matter. I had, I was telling somebody I was going to talk to you today, and that was one of their questions. What's his favorite car or truck he's ever had? Oh man. Um, well, we race a lot of different trucks, so uh, I do have a, a favorite truck. Um, so. Throughout the year, we'll probably run 10 different trucks. And over time, you know, year to year, you're like, okay, they're numbered, um, you know, chassis number. And you're like, okay, truck 19, I drive that truck all the time. I love it. Every time I get in it, I feel fast. I feel really confident. Um, and that's a big part of it, right? Paint scheme may change on the side, but every time we unload, she's been good to us. Uh, then outside of racing, um, through high school, you know, I was a kid that, had some cool cars, Camaros, Mustangs. Uh, always loved the sound of a muscle car. And my favorite dream car that I've yet to drive or own is a DeLorean. Ooh, wow, okay. So it's odd, right? Uh, most people would say, you know, Lamborghini or, or something way out DeLorean. there. DeLorean. Uh, yeah, Back to the Future. Yeah, <laughs> that's <laughs> awesome, man. <laughs> that's awesome, man. Great answer, great answer. 
Man, I can't believe first segment's already rolled up, man. We're going to take a quick break, and then we're going to be right back with Spencer Boyd from Spencer Boyd Racing, and hear some more behind-the-scenes stories from NASCAR and the Truck Series. We'll be right back. Thank you for listening to the Cowboy Entrepreneur Show. Scott will be right back with more. For more information on Scott Knudsen, the Cowboy Entrepreneur, visit us online at cowboyentrepreneur.com. Hi, I'm Scott Knudsen, host of the Cowboy Entrepreneur Show. I'd like to talk to you about something I'm very passionate about. Those that know me know I love my coffee. In the morning, afternoon, and even late in the evening, I enjoy a good cup of coffee almost any time of the day. Now, my team at the Cowboy Entrepreneur Show has been working for several months on creating and introducing our own brand of coffee. We wanted to make sure that we got it just right. We don't want to put our name on anything unless we're 100% certain that it's the best product available, and we've finally done it. We have created a wonderful line of coffees, 13 fantastic flavors offered in whole bean, ground, and K-cups, any way you like to brew your coffee. Now, each of our coffees carries our brand, the very same brand that we put on our horses, our trailers, and our chaps. So you know that this is a quality product. And we only use 100% Arabica beans, the very best beans available. Just listen to some of these wonderful blends and flavors. Jamaican Me Crazy, Honduran San Marcos, Chocolate Cherry Amaretto, Breakfast Blend, and my very favorite, Haley's Blend. A coffee so good, we named it after my daughter. You can order these coffees today by going online to javacowboy.com. That's javacowboy.com. And if you order today, you can get an extra 10% off your final purchase just by entering the promo code COWBOY on checkout. Remember, that's promo code COWBOY for an extra 10% off. Just go to javacowboy.com to order your coffee today. Hi, and welcome back to the Cowboy Entrepreneur Show. I'm your host, Scott Knutson with our guest, Spencer Boyd from Spencer Boyd Racing. Spencer, man, this is so much fun. I can't believe it's going so fast. Um, so, so let's talk a little bit about travel. We talked about how busy it is and being on the road 30 and 40 weeks a year. How do you set it up? Do you go home? Do you leave on a Wednesday to set up for the weekend? Or how, what's a normal week like? Or is there one? Yeah, it's, uh, you try and create some normalness for sure. But uh, right. I live in just outside of Charlotte, North Carolina, and uh, the race team's right out here. And 90% of the race teams are pretty much in the same zip code. Uh, so wow. we race all over the country, uh, but the way it works, you know, the truck, like I said earlier, you run so many different trucks. Um, you know, it may look very similar every time it goes on the racetrack, but it's a different vehicle. Uh, so we have to touch base, meaning if we go race California and we race Wisconsin the next weekend, it's got to come from California back to North Carolina, get worked on, pick up a different truck, and then go to Wisconsin, et cetera. Wow. So, a uh, lot of flights. Uh, my crew guys, there's about seven of them uh, specifically on my truck. So uh, they're working during the week. Um, they're working on the weekend. Most of our races are Friday or Saturday, two-day shows, and then, you know, come back home, wow. touch base. So uh, my guys for 10 months of the year are usually working, you know, five or six days a week and a couple of those being on the road. So uh, it's nice to touch back home get to visit, hang out. Uh, but, um, like I said, a lot of flights. Yeah. I, I bet. So, so working on the crew, like you were just talking about, they're so important. And I don't think enough people know really what goes into that and how much they sacrifice as far as time. 
can you talk a little bit about what they do? They, yeah, the, the crew guys uh, and girls. <laughs> I got a, yeah. all guys right now, but uh, I've had several uh, female mechanics, and uh, it's cool to see, you know, NASCAR's uh, really embrace that. And there's a lot more girls changing tires and working in the sport. And, awesome. uh, you know, times have changed for sure. But uh, for those guys that are on the road, you know, uh, they don't really get a lot of credit. That's the tough thing. You know, I, I get to go sign autographs, take photos. And um, this past weekend, you know, had a bad race and got in a wreck. And, you know, I, I could have just hopped on a plane and came home. But um, those guys are stuck there tearing the truck apart, figuring out how to get a mangled truck into a hauler to, you know, come back to North Carolina. And then as soon as they get back, they get a day off and now they're back getting oil all over them, cutting a truck apart. So wow. I like to stay close. Uh, I'm not going to say that I help out a ton, but um, <laughs> I help out as much as I can. Uh, it, it's fun. You know, you become a family. I've had three or four of those seven guys have been with me for four or five years. So um, you definitely understand, you know, who their kids are, what their wife's like, um, you know, and, and understand uh, what the travel's like and the issues that they have going on. You know, not everybody. Um, has everything perfect going on in their life. So kind of got to wrap your head around that at the racetrack, we all got to pull the rope, but uh, back at the shop, people have things come up. You got doctor's visits, and uh, fifth grade right. graduations. And <laughs> it, yeah. It's wild, but um, just a bunch of us having a ton of fun traveling, uh, enjoying going to the racetrack, uh, but we all have lives outside of racing and everybody's got to respect that. Man, that's so cool. And it's so cool your family expanded by your, your everybody in the shop. You know, you had your core family that helped you get started, but now they're helping you stay on the road. Literally. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. It's uh well, you know, it's nice to to go out as a team, you know, grab dinner, hang out. We're at the shop or at the track, you know, five AM and um we don't just unload the truck and go drive around in a circle. You know, you got yeah. technical inspection. Um, which takes hours every weekend, you know, four or five hours of tech, just pushing this 3,500 pound truck around. Cause you can't start it. Uh, believe it or not. We joke around about that all the time. We're like, this thing has a $70,000 motor on it. And we push it 90% of the time. <laughs> I love that. Oh. We're oh, all man. sweating our butts off and, uh, just enjoying it. We get to go to some really cool cities and, um, you know, some heavily populated. And then sometimes you end up, you know, in the middle of Iowa in a cornfield race. I love it. I love it. So what's a normal day? I mean, I know they're all a little bit different, but like if you're going to run Saturday night, what's that like? You're at, when do you get to the track and kind of walk everybody through what it's like to be Spencer Boyd? Yeah. Quick rundown would be, uh, you know, let's say the race is at 8 p.m., you know, on Saturday night. So we'll show up Friday. Uh, on Saturday, get to the track at you know six thirty seven a.m. Uh, go through tech. Then about eight o'clock, we'll um, have uh, you know practice. And nowadays, since COVID, practice is very limited. So we'll do a twenty to thirty minute practice. And you don't want to wreck the car, but you want to go as fast as you can. And then, literally five minutes after practice, they start qualifying. So you have five minutes to cool the motor down, 
uh, change tires and make adjustments. So everyone's in this like fluid, uh, everyone knows what their task is because five minutes goes by super fast. Right. Then you go out and qualify and it's like rush, rush, rush. And then you have like four hours of downtime till, you know, I don't know, one wow. or two o'clock. And then you go do final adjustments, um, make sure the truck's ready for the race, you know, double check all the fittings, double check oil, everything's, you know, on point, ready to go. Uh, the pit crew typically flies in about 10 a.m. So by noon, one, they're setting the pit box up. So the people that change the tires, put fuel in the truck, uh, they have a very different style of job. They fly in. They're literally there for eight hours and then fly home. And they're very athletic, um, really good group of guys that have been with me a long time. So then we'll fast forward, uh, get down to you know 7 p.m. and it's driver intros. So at that point, uh, I'm walking out with the sponsors. We're going to pit road where all the trucks are lined up. Uh, we'll do the national anthem, my favorite part. It's probably the part that my heart's racing the most. And I realize all right, we're, we're about to go do this. We're going to go fast. Uh, we're hanging out. Everyone's, all the sponsors are hype, very excited. Um, we'll do our prayer, which is really cool. Those are two of my favorite things. And then climbing the truck. And next thing you know, you're doing 200 mile an hour. That's awesome, man. So awesome. I appreciate you walking us through that day because I don't think everybody understands. I sure don't. Uh, you know, just all that goes on in it, you know? and. Uh, it's amazing all the different moving parts to get to the checkered flag. It's really cool. Yeah, it's a, it's a blast, man. I, I can't complain. I love it every day. And um, for me, you know, when I got into the rodeo and becoming more of a fan, the immediate thing that I noticed was out of all the sports that I'd seen or got to go be a part of live, um, rodeo, Prayer, National Anthem, NASCAR, Prayer, National Anthem. Everybody's very patriotic. You see a ton of American flags, ton of military at the event. Um, so that instantly made me fall in love with the rodeo and the respect that they had felt very homey cool. for me. Hey, I appreciate that, man. And, uh, you know, like we said earlier, there's so much synergy between the two sports, you know, the family atmosphere and, and just the patriotism and the faith and the hard work for sure. And, uh, man, I love that. That's why yeah. I thought it'd be a perfect fit for the show. And I, I know you have a couple of horses or somebody in your family does. Yeah. My, my girlfriend, Amanda, uh, we've been together a while now and, uh, she has her gypsy banner, uh, out here in North Carolina. She brought nice. her from Texas and, uh, so I, you know, rode horses and, and done different things, uh, not near as much as you guys, but, uh, <laughs> love it. And, you know, I'm, outdoor guy so uh you know i always on my bucket list is elk hunting horseback you know the whole that's deal. cool but um lily is out here in north carolina i've got a lot more hands on uh got dirty uh been almost kicked so yeah, <laughs> yeah here, you're immersing yourself left. in it <laughs> oh yeah, man for me well, i enjoy it um you know amanda uh taught agriculture and um, stuff like that out in Texas at Tarleton and, uh, when we met before she moved out here. So uh, she's big into it. She's been around horses her whole life, barrel race, things like that. So 
She's got that competitive spirit and then uh, has been able to educate me on the horse. Awesome, man. Awesome, man. Well, I'm a Tarleton alumni, so that's really cool. I love Stephenville. That's a um, small world. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. And we were just talking about how cool it is for the sponsors to get down there with you during the national anthem and the prayer before the race. I bet that is just a thrill for a sponsor. And so how does someone become a sponsor? How does a business become a sponsor of Spencer Boyd Racing or NASCAR in general? Yeah, I mean, there's uh, there's so many companies involved in motorsports and, and sponsor and everyone thinks it's, you know, a, a million dollar industry and uh, the sport's expensive for sure, but uh, people can get into it a lot more affordable than they think. And when they do get in, uh, they realize that it's a really intimate experience as far as how close you can get to the action. When you're right. sitting on the pit box four feet away from where the guys are changing tires and refueling and uh, the fact that you're right there next to me for National Anthem. And it may not be that awesome to be next to me. Uh, there's a lot of cool <laughs> Come guys on, man. in the sport. But, uh, <laughs> It's cool to uh, it's cool to be that close and uh, feel yeah. like you're a part of it. When the TV scans and shows all the drivers, you know, a lot of us are me for sure every week holding the American flag, and the sponsors are holding it with me. And it's a really cool industry to be a part of. Um, obviously, there's a lot of benefits to companies that want to get involved, uh, but everybody, you know, there's a lot of personalities in the sport, right. so. Uh, it's cool to see what brands pick who they're going to work with and um, what they can do outside of the racetrack to activate. Man, that's awesome. That is awesome. I bet. So what what is something that's somewhat funny or something after you had a sponsor down there with you after National Anthem, after the race? Are they just so euphoric, just being down there in the action? They just say something silly? Well, or it's, it, uh, it's the highest moment outside of victory lane, right? And like I said, yeah. you lose a lot more than you win in this deal. So. Uh, when the race is about to start and you've done national anthem, everyone's high five and fist bumping each other. Uh, just on this high of there's about to be cars going fast and um, we're having a great time and uh, there's drinks to be had and uh, everyone's just in this state of nothing can go wrong and uh, five laps later you might get in a wreck. But um, it's it's really fun. Everyone's smiling. Um, and most people, they've been to other sports, right? And they start comparing it to that. Like, oh, man, I, you know, I wasn't sitting next to the quarterback before the game. Like, this is really unique. Uh, so that part is exciting. And then when I get out and I'm all sweaty and it's hot and you might be frustrated with somebody, uh, you see all those folks that supported you and that are here for you. Uh, they're right there next to your truck as soon as you come to a stop and turn it off. and you just feel this really cool feeling of, hey, I gave it all I had on the racetrack. They know I gave it all I had. And then uh, if it's your day and you win a race, it's the greatest day of your life. That's awesome, man. That is so awesome. It's so cool you you take the sponsors and all your fans along on the ride with you, you know, because they're watching. Every time somebody comes closer, you jump out in front, you know they're feeling what, maybe not what you're feeling, but somewhat close. Yeah, it's uh, it's really unique. Uh, you know, one more thing that NASCAR does is obviously when you're out there racing, I have to be able to communicate. So uh, I'm talking to my crew chief and my pit crew about what the truck's doing, what we might need to change. Uh, the spotter is, you know, up in the top of the grandstands, highest point of the racetrack, telling me if there's a wreck, you know, go low, go high, things like that. 
Um, anybody at home with the NASCAR app can listen to all that. And then everyone at the racetrack has a headset in and can listen to all that. So you feel like you're right there, you know, in the gameplay for sure. That's awesome, man. That's awesome. So tell, tell us about the NASCAR app, you know, so we can listen to you or listen to them spotting for you. How, how does that work? Yeah. So a few years ago, um, the, you know, apps got big, right? And the yeah. technology is there. So uh, NASCAR created their own app. Uh, you go join, create a membership, uh, pretty small fee. I think it's like five bucks a year or something. And from sitting on your couch, you can pick any driver to listen to. And uh, while you're watching on TV, you can uh, listen to it real time. And then it has all these like analytical data of, you know, what lap time I ran, who I'm racing around, wow. when I pitted last. And it really puts you in the driver's seat of understanding what we're going through in the moment um, and really brings the fans in, which is awesome. And then when you're at the racetrack with all that going on and still have that data, uh, you're really able to feel like you're sitting in the passenger seat. But uh, sometimes we hit the wall hard, so it's good nobody's there. Yeah, no joke. <laughs> they're probably glad they're not. Um, man. Yeah. Well, well, I can't believe, man, this is going so fast. We're going to take a really quick break and come right back um, for the final uh, segment of the show. And, and uh, I appreciate you, Spencer, telling all these behind-the-scenes stories. And we'll be right back on the Cowboy Entrepreneur Show with Spencer Boyd. Thank you for listening to the Cowboy Entrepreneur Show. Scott will be right back with more. For more information on Scott Knudsen, the Cowboy Entrepreneur, visit us online at cowboyentrepreneur.com. Hi, I'm Scott Knudsen, host of the Cowboy Entrepreneur Show. I'd like to talk to you about something I'm very passionate about. Those that know me know I love my coffee. In the morning, afternoon, and even late in the evening, I enjoy a good cup of coffee almost any time of the day. Now, my team at the Cowboy Entrepreneur Show has been working for several months on creating and introducing our own brand of coffee. We wanted to make sure that we got it just right. We don't want to put our name on anything unless we're 100% certain that it's the best product available, and we've finally done it. We have created a wonderful line of coffees, 13 fantastic flavors offered in whole bean, ground, and K-cups, any way you like to brew your coffee. Now, each of our coffees carries our brand, the very same brand that we put on our horses, our trailers, and our chaps. So you know that this is a quality product, and we only use 100% Arabica beans, the very best beans available. Just listen to some of these wonderful blends and flavors. Jamaican Me Crazy, Honduran San Marcos, Chocolate Cherry Amaretto, Breakfast Blend, and my very favorite, Haley's Blend. A coffee so good, we named it after my daughter. You can order these coffees today by going online to javacowboy.com. That's javacowboy.com. And if you order today, you can get an extra 10% off your final purchase just by entering the promo code COWBOY on checkout. Remember, that's promo code COWBOY for an extra 10% off. Just go to javacowboy.com to order your coffee today. Welcome back to the Cowboy Entrepreneur Show. I'm your host, Scott Knutson, here with Spencer Boyd of Spencer Boyd Racing with NASCAR. Spencer, I can't believe the time is going so fast. Um, I love the parallels between the industries and, and uh, let's, let's talk a little bit more about your goals. At the beginning of the show, we talked short-term and long-term. What are a few more goals that you have uh, within NASCAR? 
Yeah, so, uh, you know, I've spent my whole life, you know, chasing this dream and, and getting to this point and uh, enjoy it. You know, NASCAR is really a family. For me, uh, I've been fortunate to race truck, Xfinity, Cup, you know, all three levels of top sport of motorsports here in North America. And uh, I love the truck series. I, I truly do. I uh, love the people that are in it and uh, all the teams. And, and it's just a, a real big family and an atmosphere that I'd like to see myself a part of for a long while. Um, for me, I have one NASCAR win at this level. Um, only 3% of NASCAR drivers have ever won a race at this level. So uh, now it's tough to do, like I said, love it, want to do it more often. Uh, so for me, it's just cultivating my craft, becoming more competitive, and, uh, you know, continue driving for as long as I can. You know, I, I feel right. like I have five to ten more years in it uh, driving. And then eventually uh, it would be really cool to, you know, own a team and be able to help the next generation, uh, you know, get into the sport. Man, I love that. I love that. And and I, I love how you bring new people into the industry, into NASCAR to start watching. And I, I think that's so vital in any sport. Um, but with you, with NASCAR, just bringing the people that maybe don't follow it as much or as closely that want to start following it because of you, that's gotta be a pretty cool yeah. feeling, you know, and, and, uh, especially after this many years. It is, it's, uh, it's fun sport and, uh, social media, you know, you're able to reach so many right. people, um, and just the crossover from different things, you know, people want to pay attention. I, I feel like, you know. When I was younger, you were a NASCAR fan or you were a baseball fan where I grew up in Missouri. That was it, you know. Uh, yeah. Now, everything's so accessible that you can really be a, Ford, a, a fan of many sports. So uh, it's easy to follow. And uh, for myself, you know, I, I'm sitting there on the airplane paying attention to how Clayton Haas is doing in uh, bulldogging. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So, um, you know, with rodeo, there's some scary moments. And I know with, with uh, what you do, there are some scary moments. Can you tell us maybe one that was a scary moment for you driving racing? Yeah, I think probably the uh, scariest moment for me was uh, last year, uh, Las Vegas, uh, pretty fast track. I was out there racing and with two laps to go. So we had done 198 laps of 200 and uh, gotten a little wreck uh, down the back straightaway. And there's a wall on the outside, which is really close. And the inside wall seems like a mile away. Uh, so it's real dirty down there. Once I got down there, I was on the brakes sliding and hit the inside wall, 35 G's impact, dislocated my right shoulder, uh, raced the rest of the year with the torn labrum. And uh, by the time I got it fixed in Thanksgiving day, actually, um, wow. when I got it fixed, it was 75% torn. And uh, so, yeah, it was, it was tough. Uh, I wouldn't necessarily say scary, but more of like, all right, you know, this can happen. Um, right. If I miss a race, it's going to go on without me. And um, everyone was real supportive, but you, you realize you're a small fish in a big pond. Right. That's, that's good what you said there, because, you know, it's not scary because it's your profession. I get that because when I get on a horse or something, people are like, you scared. And I'm not really scared, but I know there's hazards involved, you know, and it's just part of what we do. 
um, just like with you, you know, you're used to it and you're, um, the grind part of it. Um, and, and I don't think people yeah, understand think- that, you know, driving that kind of race with that kind of the heat for three or four hours and just grinding yeah. in a truck with a torn labor. And that's, that's pretty gritty stuff. For sure. Yeah. I think, uh, you know, I, I think those guys in the rodeo, uh, got a lot bigger cojones than me, but, uh, <laughs> when they're just on a bull and stuff, that's pretty wild. So, uh, I try not to compare that. Um, uh, I've joked around with my girlfriend. I'm like, these guys are nuts. She's like, well, people would say that about you doing 200 mile an hour. I'm like, I got Absolutely. nine seatbelts, a helmet on, like five layer fireproof suit. Like I feel pretty safe. And she's like, well, Maybe it's good that you have that mindset. <laughs> oh, man. All right. So here I'm going to tell them myself. So I did a Richard Petty experience in Dallas with my in-laws. And they were going awesome. around the track. You know, they weren't going 200, but it felt like 200. And I white-knuckled it the whole time. I'm like, please put me back on a horse. <laughs> you know, but it was fun. I'll tell you what, it was fun after the fact, but in the middle of it, man, it, it's, you know, you just kind of focus on the front. The sides are just flying by. Yeah, you get, you know, tunnel vision. You're really, you know, honed in on uh, the racing surface, what's going on in front of you. Right. And, uh, everything slows down. It's it's crazy. You know, I kind of compare it to like a car crash. Uh, you know, you hear people, oh, I got in a car crash, everything slowed down. I'm like, it's kind of how I feel like the whole time out there racing. Wow. You know, you start getting zoned in and it doesn't feel like you're going fast. Uh, it only feels like that when there's a sudden stop. Right. Wow. When we coming up, man, who did you look up to? Who was there a certain driver or a certain team that you looked up to? For sure. I mean, Dale Jr., um, uh, you know, super successful dad was the goat, you know, Dale Sr. Yeah. So, um, watching Jr. going up, growing up, uh, all my go-karts looked like his car. Uh, so there I was, uh, you know, seven years old with a go-kart that looked like Budweiser. Um, but, uh, it was exciting. You know, that, that's who I pulled for and that's who my dad pulled for. So it's kind of, you know, the deal. Then when I was 14, it was like, I want anybody to win, but my dad's favorite, you know, I was that kid. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. turned into a Kyle Busch fan and, uh, you know, Kyle and I talk now and, um, there's a photo of him holding a, go Spencer Boyd sign when I was like 17, which I thought was the coolest thing ever at the time. Absolutely. Uh, so those are, those are my two guys that, you know, I paid attention to and looking at what they've done with their career. Uh, you know, they're two of the best ever and, uh, the community work, what they've done outside of racing, uh, the other things they're involved in, they're, they're not similar really at all. They're two totally different guys, but, um, great people of, uh, the sport and then the community. So, look up to him. That's awesome, man. That that really is. And how did you like being an entrepreneur, you know, cause you kind of are, it's you and you have your team to get to the end result. How do you build your, you built your team, but did you just take a little bit from everywhere you were to craft the perfect team or how did you assemble it? Yeah, it's, uh, years, uh, you know, yeah. you, you find people that, you know, you work well with and you find people that, aren't afraid to call you out, which is, which is good. You know, you need accountability. Uh, I'll be honest, you know, there's a couple guys, they, they ruffle my feathers every week, but um, I know that their goal is to help me get better. Um, keep me on the right. course of what we need to be doing. And, uh, and we 
like I said, we've had a lot of the guys have been a part of my deal for four or five years now. So we get along well. Uh, there's always a little bit of turnover. Grass is greener on the other side at times. And, uh, you know, you go wreck a couple cars uh, a couple weeks in a row, people start getting aggravated. But uh, <laughs> they'll buy back in eventually. And, uh, you know, high tides raise all ships is, is basically the deal. So, uh, but the business side, you know, myself, uh, I do a lot you know, within the shop and with the guys, you know, cultivating that relationship. But they also, you know, give me a little bit of a leash to uh, to know that I got to go travel and hang out with the partners and sponsors and keep those relationships good. And um, that's fun part. That That is yeah. the fun part is going right. out and going on hunts and uh, taking veterans out hunting and um, getting to do things that I enjoy that aren't necessarily driving in a circle. Uh, but driving in a circle has given me that opportunity. So definitely grateful. That's awesome, man. It's it's neat how each one kind of balances you, you know, when, when you're just getting tired enough of going in a circle, you can go out there and spend some time with veterans. It puts it all in perspective again. Yeah. I love that. It really does. Yeah. So how do you balance your, your day now? Because I know like being a professional athlete, you're, you're so focused on the weekend and you're working during the week to get to the weekend. How do you have some time for Spencer to do something else? Yeah, I think it's uh, finding things that you enjoy that help the craft without blatantly being in your face that this is for the craft, right? <laughs> yeah, um, trick yourself. Yeah, I love mountain. <laughs> Drink water. Uh, <laughs> I, I enjoy mountain biking. Obviously, that's great cardio, and it's good, and it's good for the balance and reaction time and things like that, but I don't hop on a mountain bike and think, Hey, this is making me a better race car driver. For me, it's, you know, I hope I see some deer out here while I'm mountain biking and cool, fresh right. air feels good and it's enjoyable. Um, awesome. And then just finding things, um, the balance, you know, it's getting up early, getting things done and, and being able to turn it off. Uh, my girlfriend and I joke about it. My parents have always, uh, you know, talked about time management. Uh, so knowing that, I got everything done, taking a lot of notes, having a schedule, and then at you know seven, eight o'clock, uh, it's obviously not a short day, but uh, being able to just unwind and enjoy cooking dinner and hanging out and uh, getting ready for the next day. That's awesome, man. I think that helps so many people, even if they're in a nine to five, you know, and they got to pick up their kids and they have baseball after that. I mean, that's a long day, but knowing how to shut it off, that's tough for people. It's tough for me. I mean, I struggle with that all the time. You know, and, and just to turn it off so you can be fresh for that next day. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, being a professional is exciting and has a lot of uh, benefits and, and it feels mm -hmm. good. Uh, but, you know, a lot, a lot of my friends are, you know, working nine to fives and, and have goals of, you know, owning their own businesses. And we talk about it all the time. I, I feel like all of my friends have exciting stuff going on, at different runs right. and whatnot. But the key part of that conversation is, you know, time management. You know, some have kids, some, you know, are just out there to live in the dream and, and having a blast and, and have big goals. But it's uh, being able to plan and create that schedule and win those small wins. That's absolutely right. That's absolutely. We were talking a little bit before the show about the NFR and, and uh, you going out there a bunch and, and getting more and more acclimated to it. And, you know. Um, Tell us about, so what, what's one of the funnest things you get to do in Vegas for the NFR? Is it hanging around the rodeo or is it 
some of your sponsors are out there. Or tell me about it. Yeah, it's it's all fun, honestly. Yeah, <laughs> it, it really it's is. All black. Um, it really is. You know, starting out the day, you know, going and uh, hanging out with a couple buddies that participate in the rodeo, and uh, you know, Clayton Haas is taking me out, and you know, get to go see Ben's, and uh, he's an awesome horse, and you know, everyone. It's crazy. You know, there's people in the grandstands that can never get that close, and they would love to meet Ben's, and they'd love to hang out with Clayton, and you know, I've, I've got to become good friends with him. So uh, I enjoy those moments. Uh, it's cool to be behind the scenes. He's been behind the scenes at NASCAR races and, and seeing what that's about. And, awesome. uh, I've been down in Texas and stayed at his house in between races. So uh, that part's fun. And then the nightlife, you know, the celebrations. Uh, those guys – you know, go ride a bull for eight seconds and an uh, hour and a half later they got a buckle and they're drinking a beer at the bar and you're like, it's a lot different than NASCAR, but this is awesome. <laughs> Y'all still be going. Yeah, I'm like, man, we're jumping on a plane and going home. You know, these guys are, yeah. you know, traveling in an RV or, you know, travel trailer, things like that. And it's totally different grind. Um, I really respect it. And uh, there's mm-hmm. days that I'm like, man, that looks fun. You know, why didn't I give that a try? But uh, then I realized, you know, that's a lot of work too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, you get to go 200 in a truck, man. That's pretty cool stuff. Pretty cool yeah, stuff. Yeah, Clayton says he well, does well, it. If you don't mind, man, I appreciate you so much for being on the show. And, and it's just flown by, you know. I appreciate it. And Would you just give everybody your social media one more time? And then we're going to post it on all our Cowboy Entrepreneur sites too. I, I want people to follow you. I know they'll enjoy it. Yeah, I always love new fans and uh, showing what life's like racing. So I'm on Instagram, Spencer Boyd PR, Twitter, just my name, Spencer Boyd, and Facebook, Spencer Boyd Racing Fan Page. And I run all those channels myself, so if you get a reply back, which I like to do, um, you'll know it's coming from me. That's awesome, man. I love it being authentic, man. That's so cool. Well, Spencer, man, good luck in your next race. I appreciate you being on the show, and I hope to catch up with you really soon. Pleasure. Thanks, Scott. It's been fun. Oh, it's been a lot of fun. Well, thank you for watching the Cowboy Entrepreneur Show. Thank you to all the great sponsors of the Cowboy Entrepreneur Show. If you or your business is interested in being a sponsor of the Cowboy Entrepreneur Show, please call our office at 830-992-1786 or visit our website, cowboyentrepreneur.com.